are back in the Football Shed, the podcast for football fans that live in the wrong time zone. <laughs> My name is John Hewitt and Jeff King is here. G'day, everybody. And uh, Roger Gibbs is here. Hello. Hi, Roger. You're just Hi. making uh, lewd uh, signs with your fingers then on the screen. No, it was a lasso. It <laughs> <laughs> didn't look like a lasso from here. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lasso the lasso's done something wrong um <laughs> how are we all are we ready to talk football we excited i think it's gonna be a big week of football i think there's plenty to talk about mm, very big week of football this week thoroughly thoroughly excited uh well did you bring anything to drink with you jeff to be so excited with today i'm drinking a guinness and kalua cocktail guinness Is that a thing? and kalua Right, so a long time ago, long time ago, I worked in a bar in England. In England, bars are called pubs. I worked in a <laughs> good, pub. Good in <laughs> Jeff, did, we, did we also work at this said pub? No, no, no. This is long before you... you oh, okay. Um, this is oh. when I was 18, 17, a you long had time other ago. friends? Yeah. I had hair, too. <laughs> How dare um, you? And the, the, um, what's it called? St. Patrick's Day did this special thing for Guinness cocktails. One of them was Guinness and Kahlua. And I remember having it. It cost about £10 at the time because you had to buy a shot of Kahlua and a Guinness, which was, oh, like, Jesus, which yeah. was absurd for an 18-year-old. Because um, I got paid £4.80, I think, an hour working there. So that, was a, <laughs> that was a long time ago. Anyway, um, and it stuck with me how good Guinness and Kahlua is as a, as a mixture, as a cocktail. It's a cocktail. So we had Kahlua in the house. I thought I'd buy some Guinness and, and you know, shake it up. What did they have a name for it? Like, is it yeah, called, it's called like the a... Galua? The Galua? No, that's no, not good. It's not. You can even come up uh, with better. I was, <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking like something like snake bite or whatever. Kalinis. Come up with the name. Kalinis. <laughs> <laughs> Such an idiot. Well, Rog, did you bring your own Kalinis for the night? I Rog? cannot compete with Kalinis. Now I've just got a boring beer, John. I'm just on a um, a Sunray XPA from Tallboy. No, you're really boring, Rog. You're usually mm. the one with the wanker drink. Jeff's got the wanker drink. Today. Oh, I just, um, I cannot compete with, I've never tried Guinness and Kahlua, but I'm going to try it now. That just sounds very room, sticky. Room temperature, Jeff? Of course, yeah. No, no, the cold Guinness, cold Guinness, room temperature mm. Kahlua. Mm, yeah, mm. no, nah, too much. Um, I bought some Audi red wine. I had beers last week and that Back was just to it, John. Welcome yeah, home. No. Didn't feel right afterwards. I feel much more relaxed now. Welcome home to Audi the red, red wine. The red Audi bosom of comfort that you so <laughs> regularly nourish your mouth in. <laughs> it's great to see. Great to see you just twizzle your nizzle. <laughs> I'm going to twizzle my nizzle in the uh, admin first. <laughs> then I'll get back to my Audi red wine. Um, every week we start with a question, but before we do that, if you want to get in contact or ask us a question, tell us we're wrong about something, you can find us on Facebook. Just search Football Shed. Or email us at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe and of course tell your mates so more people can hear us talk about Kalur and Guinness cocktails, I guess. If that's what people want to hear about. Um this week's question, I've gone back to uh the gone back to the new format of multiple choice. So there is 30 answers to this question. So it's hey. gonna be quick fire hey. between the two of you. 26. <laughs> okay, no, go it's, on. Gonna a, it's gonna be a long night with you two. Um, so can you name and Rod, you can go first. Can you name the 30 most expensively assembled squads in the world? 
currently assembled no. or assembled ever? Current. Well, the, this quiz came out six days ago. So, currently, the squads. Real Madrid. Correct. Manchester City. Correct. Barcelona. Correct. Manchester United. Correct. PSG. Correct. Chelsea. Correct. Uh, Juventus. Yep. Going well so far. Everton? Yeah. Yeah, Everton are 13th, 14th. Um... Liverpool. Yep. Arsenal. Yep. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> um, all know. You basically named the top 12. I'm going to go a bit with Borussia Dortmund. Yep. No, really? Uh, Atletico. Yeah. Yep. Um, it's getting uh, tense now. Wolves are in there, yep. West Ham? Yep. It's going well so far. This is the best you've done at anything, you two, ever. Uh, Don't fuck Sevilla. it up now, Rob. Oh, yeah, they're in. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah, 28th. Um, pressure, Jeff, pressure. Um, Bayern? Yep, Bayern are in there. Below Everton, by the way. Yeah, they're, they're, I read, like, there's 36 million or something. We talked about it the other day. It's not much for Bynes. It depends when they're taking this from. £320 million. It says here as a fact. It's written on the website. Oh, I don't think that's right, John. <laughs> I read something about this the other day. No, that was their team, not their squad, Rog. Oh, true. Um, Inter Milan. Correct. AC Milan. Correct. Oh, our spaces now. Uh, Napoli. Correct. Oh, god damn it! That was a good one. That was a good one, Raj. <laughs> um, oh, there's Napoli no other. 15. There's no other French teams. I don't think Germany. You've gone Dortmund, Bayern, hmm, Leipzig. Leipzig are not in the list. Oh. No, Jeff loses. Rod wins. Who, who, do we, who are we missing? Lazio? You missed Monaco, Valencia, Leicester, West Ham, Roma, Leverkusen, Bournemouth, um, Leon, Newcastle, Brighton, and Southampton. Jesus, mm. that's so really interesting. Premier League. Very, very interesting. Oh, yeah, that was good. You did. You both did quite well there. I think we well, should end the podcast now. Let's yeah, end on high. You did well. <laughs> from here. <laughs> um, right, let's get into the football. So we have to start with the Merseyside derby. Everton played Liverpool and drew two all. Uh, we all watched it online because it was the early game, so it was quite nice being able to all watch the game at the same time. Um, I guess we start with the Pickford Van Dyke issue scenario so from my end I'm just going to give a little bit of what my thoughts are at the time when we watched it none of us reacted that badly to the Pickford challenge we went oh, oh. and then the replays we went geez what is that that looks awful then he wasn't sent off my first question is I don't understand why he wasn't sent off in a rule scenario like is it because it was offside it doesn't happen um so I don't understand that and two 
I don't think Pickford meant... He's obviously not meant to hurt the player. He's gone to save it, but he's a goalkeeper, so he's crap at doing that. So I think there's a bit of overreaction to how Pickford has been the bad guy in this. He's cocked up, but he hasn't done it on purpose. He's just been a goalkeeper who's been a bit poor at what he's done. If you look at the replays, he's watching the ball and panicking that he's about to go 2-0 down against Liverpool. So I give excuse him a little bit. But yeah, yeah, yeah I, I actually agree with you, John. Um, I can't believe I'm going to start the, start the shed like that, but I, I, <laughs> I do think you're right. I mean, obviously, when you look back, the replays, it's, uh, it's a horrible, ugly, ugly, ugly challenge. And the more angles you see it from, the worse it gets, the slower it is, the worse it gets. In real time, I, I agree with you. I, there was a great bit of analysis by Rob Green, the goalkeeper, who um the ex-England goalkeeper who let some calamities in, if you remember Rob Green in his heyday. Um, uh, he slowed it right down and, and showed where he was looking. You know, it's a looping ball to the far post. Pickford was following the ball. And then as he realises it's going over the crowd of people, looks and he can see a red shirt in his peripheral, he does what Rob Green called a star jump, which is to just mm. make yourself as big as fucking possible, but, but didn't touch the ball just got Van Dyke. Um, you know, that's a goalkeeper's challenge. It's it's a terrible one. Everyone's right in what they say, that anywhere else on the pitch he would have been sent off. No, but no, there is no rule in football that says if it was offside first, you can do whatever the fuck you like. There's no, there's no rule that says that. If it was, you could just wait for an offside, go up and punch someone in the face and not get sent off. So, so that's yeah. not how they made the decision. Oh, they made the Jeff, decision on, on intent. There is a, well, but there is a clarification there, which is that and it wasn't they didn't make the decision on intent what what actually happened was that the var ref just didn't look at it so he it was a it's a human error from the var ref in that he was essentially so focused on the offside that he didn't actually look at the tackle from pickford and di- or and didn't either make a decision on it or didn't say to the referee, I think you should go and look at this on the screen. But the only way that, that, that VAR Roger, that came out today that they made a statement today and said there's three people that look at VAR footage and they they they, met, they saw it and they reviewed it at the time and they spoke to the referee on pitch referee about it at the time and didn't think it deserved a second look by the referee. So they, oh, they made well, they made a call. Okay, well, that's not what came out. Uh, that sorry, I hadn't seen that at the time. The the they it, what came out was that they hadn't looked at it. Now, John, in answer to your question, with VAR looking at it, they they can't they they won't refer it to the referee if they think that it's a yellow card offence. After so that, mm. there are certain things that do are out of play as soon as it's offside. The only thing that would still be in play in terms of a foul is something that would have been a straight red. So intentional violent conduct. So that is, well, violent conduct, but there's also serious foul play, which, you know, it was there, there definitely wasn't an intent to injure. I completely agree. And I think a lot of the vitriol about that is, is misplaced, but it was a terrible challenge to me. That is, a red card challenge because it's the kind of challenge that we don't want to see. And I don't, and I think the argument of he's a goalkeeper only gets you so far. Like it was, it was pretty awful. Like I didn't see it at the time. So I've only, I can't explain the, that live reaction to it, but I just, it just looks bad. And to me, I don't think anyone would complain with a three game ban for that. No, I agree. I completely agree. It's a red card. Like I don't, 
there's no defending Pitford in that sense. It's a red card. But I think there's also just a clumsy goalkeeper trying to make a save. It's a mistake. I don't think yes. Pickford, Pickford's not a, he's not that kind of guy. Like he's just, he's a kind of he has this like flaw as a keeper where he makes sort of I'm going to say bad decisions, but you don't even feel like it's decisions. He just sometimes does these. Does, it's like bad reactions. Like I described it as mm. being like Tourette's. Like his body just yeah. does things sometimes. That you're like, what are you doing? He just Pickford? panics. And mm. it's one of those yeah. moments. I, yeah, I don't think that. I mean, obviously that stuff comes up because it's a derby. But there, yeah. there is no malicious intent there at all to me. No, there isn't. There isn't. I completely agree. And the, the, it's the fixture in British football that has had the most red cards through its history, and they are pretty fifty-fifty between Everton and Liverpool. Like we've got to um, look, kind of look back on this and go: football is not made of good guys and bad guys. You know, it's not that Pickford is a bad guy and Van Dyke's a good guy, and it's good versus evil, and evil should be punished and good should be rewarded. And it's not that Liverpool are bad guys or Everton are bad guys. They're eleven professionals who play a sport on a pitch who happen to have signed their allegiance to a football club. And yes, some of them have have a more deep lining allegiance. Some of them have been part of the youth academies. But really, you know, the the kind of tribalism of of fandom is very different to the professionalism of those on the pitch. Pickford's. In fact, anyone, I don't think anyone in that game went out to hurt anyone else in that game. Yes, they realised the the passion involved in a derby because they don't want to walk around the city for a week after they lose, having everyone, you know, chant at them or whatever. That's that's a bit shit. They understand what it means to the people who work there, but they don't go out with a kind of good versus evil mentality. We will hurt them. We will beat them, destroy them no matter what. It's, they're not at war. They're professionals who do a job. And next year, they might be doing their job for someone else who has a derby with someone else. We can't forget that. But it's... It's easy to, I think, at the moment. We, we we live in a world where everything is a bit shit, and like I, I don't say that lightly. The, the whole world is is you know up in flames, either literally in California or Australia, or figuratively everywhere else with coronavirus, which is everywhere else but Pacific Island, who just don't have the tests. And I just feel like we concentrate on football and enjoy football and it's an outlet that we have and because of that there is so much of the emotion that goes on in life that has been really put into a decision like this where you feel hard done by and and it's unjustified and and I feel like frustrations have really boiled over this week to a degree that I think is is a disgrace and I I, I view it myself too you know I I, that first day I was just as annoyed with some of the Liverpool fan reactions as as I as they were annoyed at Jordan Pickford and and the more I sat on it, the more I thought, this is just absurd. The, the, the fact is that the, John Pickford's getting death threats. And I know, John, you, you rightly said death threats are quite common in football, you know, when, when, when yeah. fans... Not in but, a good way, like, but it's just a it's, a, it's a, it's a curse of the social media that everyone yeah. is has that right to just say, oh, Pickford did that. If he does that again, That's I'm going to run around and bash him. And I've seen tweets this week of people posting their selfies that they've taken with Van Dyke over the last few years, saying, oh, I'm going to stand up for you, Van Dyke. I see a lot of footballers around. If I see Jordan Pitford in public, I'm going to glass him. And I'm like, actually, that's a step too far. That's an absolute step too far. They're just professionals playing a game. And yeah, bad challenges happen. I, I, I agree with you that it's deplorable, that stuff. But I don't necessarily agree that that's anything new. Yeah, you know, I think same we, we, every week we have every seen, seen that for year, yeah, years and years and years. And there's that tribal element to it, and we see it particularly in derbies, and we see this stuff, you know, come up, and it is gross. But 
unfortunately, it's something that's there in football. And I don't necessarily think it's anything different. This, Like, I'm not for one way condoning all, all the stuff that's happened. I, I, I mm. think it's appalling. But I do think that it's always there. And we just have to yeah. we have to call it out for what it is and say it's shit. But at the same time, we just have to accept that it's there and kind of get on with See, it. I don't, I don't know, Rog. I, this week feels different to the last ten derbies, and I and I, I we're going to start no, talking yeah, about, we're going to start talking to about the football in in a minute because I, I want to talk about the football because that's the important mm-hmm. bit, you know. But this the the media coverage the the stuff that's been you, you know all over social media it feels different. It feels like there is more venom behind some of this stuff, even from from journalists who I have nothing but respect for have have come out this week with attitudes one way or another that have really been in my opinion a step too far and and I just think that we have a responsibility as football fans to be who we want to be and to you know we do a podcast here and talk about football so how we discuss this incident I think John you were spot on bringing it up from football terms going this is this is the way it was there's no venom behind that and and I'm not sitting here saying Liverpool fans shouldn't be shitty of course you should I was shitty at Son yeah, when 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 Gomez's ankle got broken mm. But there's a, there's a difference between the, the feels like a difference between this week and other weeks, and I think it's it's, a, it's got to be a little bit. Let's is that because you're an Everton oh, fan, though, Jeff? Maybe. Well, no. yeah. It's a difficult thing. If it happened the other way, I still would I still would have felt that some of the media coverage would have been really outrageous, whether for or against Liverpool. It wouldn't make a difference. Well, I think what we need to do is keep an eye on this kind of thing across the season and see whether it is because I I avoid social media when it comes to kind of fan battling against each other because I just find it disgusting and pointless. And we all love football and we all enjoy football and we enjoy watching it. And yes, it's good to have rivalries and yes, it's good to kind of have banter. But when it gets to the point where it's just threatening for the sake of it, it's gross. Um, and it happens a lot in football and we're Harry Maguire getting arrested in Greece. Man United fans, I'm a Man United fan. Man United fans sent death threats to the judge. Like, what are you thinking? Like, <laughs> yeah. it's just a, it's a judge and it's a footballer and there's a weird scenario. It doesn't matter in your life. You don't need to go out there and go, I'm going to kill the judge because he's really yeah. football. Like, chill out, far. everyone. He's gone one too fast. So let's move on to the football. Um, it's too all. Everything yeah. crazy top of the league. Game. Utterly crazy game. I've got to say, I don't think the quality of the game was that high. I don't think there was actual kind of brilliant football. I think the bits of quality Thiago. came, yeah, the bits of quality came from Liverpool and from Thiago's through ball to Mane that should have been a goal, but then there was this weird offside for a millimeter. Um, but I think Everton got away with one getting a point, but we we're happy to get out with a point. Liverpool, at the end of the day, probably were kind of happy with a point as well. Because if either a team lost that, it would have been a huge disaster. So I think both teams almost are happy in a way, but just Liverpool have come off worst with two horrible injuries. And even in some ways in the performance as well, in that, uh, you know, I think both teams, are, like Liverpool will say, you know, we Pickford made a couple of good, really good saves. We missed, Liverpool probably had the best chances, I would say. However, I thought every time Everton got the ball forward, Liverpool, uh, you know, Everton looked a threat and Liverpool Mm. looked a bit shaky. So I think Everton will take a lot from that in terms of, um, 
you know, their ability, we talked about it before the game last week, you know, Everton testing themselves against the best. It's not just a derby. It's also a test of how, how are Everton really going? And I think that they, whilst they didn't play their best, they certainly, they looked like they caused Liverpool problems. And I think that's a pretty good sign for Everton, you know, going forward with the season. Yeah. And so I, I think they'll both take a lot of positives from the game. Yeah, and been, I think from a Liverpool a side, I think. Um, sorry, Jeff. I'll just no, on, the, on the Liverpool side that I think there was glimpses of real brilliance. There was like Thiago's passes. Salah's finish was incredible. Watching back yeah. Salah's finishes again yeah. today, I was just like, Jesus, that was really good. <laughs> no. um, and Mane did a few good things, but it felt like there was a slight disjointedness. It was kind of like this person did something amazing, this person did something amazing, this person. But there wasn't off. this. Yeah, there wasn't this kind of flow and cohesion. And if anything, Everton kind of ran the midfield a bit, which you don't usually think against the Liverpool side that's ever going to happen. Um, and they were in control. Um, Alan was excellent. Alan, or whatever his name is. Um, Steve, Mike, <laughs> Jim, Alan. <laughs> um, and I thought Everton really. I, I I just think to all their result. And on that point, I predicted beforehand on Facebook that it was going to be three all. Everton fans were going, no, we're going to be Liverpool fans. No, I predict three all. And I think I was the closest. So, so you're halfway to, to Mark Lawrence and John. Well done. Um, I thought from a, from a tactical perspective, there were some interesting things to point out for this game. So I, I think your analysis is pretty pretty strong, John. The the strange thing to watch if you if you go back and you look at positions on the field so Everton played a kind of lopsided game so the whole team was closer to the left hand side of the pitch and they did that so that James Rodriguez had cover on on his side so he could mm-hmm. always go wherever he wanted but there would always be cover so essentially Ancelotti played a formation that would free up Hammers to do whatever he wanted. And, and we've we've mentioned it a few times this season where, you know, for some reason, Hammers is on the left, then he's on the right, then he's in the middle, then he's playing number 10. And you're like, how does he even get there? Like, why is he allowed to roam like that? If you look at the 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 way Everton line up in, in a block, that block is shifted over to one side. And the only reason why they're allowed to do that is because Seamus Coleman has so much energy up the right. So so he attacks and defends. So when Seamus Coleman went off on this game and, and Godfrey came on, who I, I got, think Godfrey had a, had a solid debut. Mm, the uh, boxer. Yeah, well, you see that actually... Liverpool were able to attack down Everton's right-hand side. So Liverpool's left-hand side just willy-nilly, like comfortably, every time Mane had the ball and it was out wide, stretching the game, he was able to to really penetrate on that side. And that's how Liverpool caused most problems, which made it feel like Liverpool were attacking very kind of fluidly. When they had the ball, it was dangerous. They were creating some good chances. But what it also meant was that when Everton won the ball in midfield, the transition was quick. So when you say Everton won the midfield, it's because every time they got the ball in the midfield, they had they were they overran Liverpool. They they had more players running forwards at the same time. I mean, to put it real basically, almost like a lead, mm. almost like a swarm. So you, the strange thing is that no one changed their their strategy. So both teams thought that that was good. You know, Liverpool thought, well, great, we're attacking down the right. We're we're attacking down Liverpool's left. Sorry, we're we're getting through every time. Let's keep going. Everton were like, well, it's great. They're attacking. They're attacking down the right. That's brilliant. That's freeing up Hammers. Everything's great. All we got to do is turn it over. So the fact that the game ended two two is probably a fair result on kind of two tactics nullifying each other, but neither one sitting back. Both quite attacking 
techniques, but yet both kind of just 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 diffused each other a little bit. I mean, we're going to move. We're going to move. Well, we're going to move off Everton Liverpool. But I've got one question before we move off. Um, now that Liverpool have lost one and drawn one, um, and Everton are still undefeated, having played the champions. Um, we all predict. I predicted Man City to win the league. I think Rod, you predicted Liverpool to win the league. Jeff, I think you predicted Everton. Well, <laughs> whatevs. But um, do we need to change what our predictions are? Do we, who's who is the favourite for the title? I know it's very early, but it feels like when we're looking at Everton number one, Aston Villa number two, Leicester fourth. Like, do we need to change who's going to win the league this year? Well, the biggest winners so far are Kazoo. I mean, <laughs> who, who, Everton and Aston who, who the fuck are Kazoo? And then suddenly they're like on the shirts on the Premier League first and second. What's going on? So I think Kazoo have already won the league. Yeah. Um, I think we do, John. So I not only did I predict Liverpool to win the league, I predicted Big Verge to win uh, Player of the Year, which in, in uh, Hindsight mm. now is obviously a very bad decision because he's not going to play again. Um, but I, you know, we also know that um, Allison's out still for another six weeks or so yet. So it's a real test of Liverpool, and I and I think that the best defence wins the Premier League, which is why I pick Liverpool to win the league. But suddenly, if there's no Van Dijk, it's a very different defence. <laughs> so I I feel like in my head I need to pick another team. I no, I no longer think that Liverpool should be the favourites because he's that significant a loss however I have no idea who to make as my new favourite because no, none of the other teams are you know sort of making a particularly strong case by your so, logic Rog the best defensive record in the top half of the Premier League is Aston Villa by yeah. a long way they've only conceded two goals and, and, and it, we, we talk, I talked about it it was at the back end of last year as well so maybe maybe Villa are going to win the league <laughs> they're going to win the league <laughs> Um, let's move on to uh, so there was two three all games over the weekend that were I avoided that question did you see that Kazoo there yeah. we go <laughs> good answer <laughs> if, if in doubt answer with Kazoo um, there was two yeah three alls over the weekend uh, Tottenham drew three all West Ham and Chelsea drew three all with Southampton Chelsea and Tottenham you would put in that conversation I guess as wanting to be near the top or whatever I want to start on Tottenham uh, just because I, I watched this game and they're 3-0 up and looked brilliant. Harry Kane is now a mix of Lionel Messi, Xavi, Lewandowski. <laughs> Pirlo. Pirlo. And still a one-season wonder. Oh, and he tracks like, back too, don't forget. He made, yeah, a, he made a couple of really good blocks. Kante. He's Van Dijk. And uh, yeah, <laughs> he's possibly the best player on the planet right now. And but they look brilliant. He scores two goals, an amazing assist for a son. Just and yeah. they're cruising. Um, and then they just spurs it all up, and it all goes wrong in the last ten minutes. And Lansky, Lanzini scores what is possibly the greatest goal of all time right at the end. So I, wh- I, I was ready. I was watch. I watched the whole game. I was ready at 75 minutes. I was writing an essay on my phone about how I need to apologise to Jose Mourinho. I need to say he's actually got this right, like Spurs are looking good. We've seen the Liverpool thing go wrong. Okay, this is Spurs' year. They're going to win the league. And then it all went wrong in 10 minutes at the end. Like, what the hell? 
Well, I, 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 I don't. They still should have won the game. So I think if you're mm. Spurs, you look at that and you go, it's, it's a bit of a freak result because I, you know, I think that they missed, they missed several chance, they missed chances at three nil, they missed chances at three one. Um, I, I think they did enough to win the game, but at the same time, so I don't think they'll lose too much heart but I also credit West Ham because although West Ham scored all the goals in the last what was it 10 minutes 15 minutes yeah 8 um, minutes 8 minutes they actually played way better in the second half like it was a, mm. it was a, it wasn't just a um you know let's throw the kitchen sink in the last 10 minutes they actually the game had turned for longer than that in my mind I thought they you know they played it completely differently in the second half. And whilst they didn't, I don't know if it's necessarily, is it fair to come back? Maybe. I mean, I just, I, I mean, there was a bit of luck with a couple of the goals. We talked about them being dangerous in the air. Um, Lanzini's strike is just one of those things that you just say, that's why football's amazing. Cause you can't, there's nothing Spurs could have really done about that. So I, it's, it's another one where I think both teams will take a lot from it. If you're Spurs, you're not going to walk off that and go, Oh, that went well. Like you three nil no, up after. No, no, especially Mourinho, who you know we know. Yeah. All, is Mourinho the best ever manager at shutting down a game? Probably. Yeah. Um, so he'll let them know about it. But I think in the cold light of day, you know, when we're talking about how well Spurs look, you know, that fifteen minutes to go three nil up, some of their football was excellent. Yeah, they looked really good. But to not close it out, just highlights every Spurs issue that you think Spurs have for the, for the history of Spurs cross between Spurs issues and Mourinho issues because he he tactically tried to close it out you know he didn't mm. go for the fourth and I, I know it sounds like a silly thing saying oh you've got to go to the fourth and kill the game off when you're 3-0 up you think you've got it but there is something psychological about having your manager try and have you close that game out when you're on the pitch it puts you in a different frame of mind because you, you're being told to not be adventurous to not go for things to, to just hold the lines everything's fine you've only got 10 minutes to go and as soon as a goal goes in when one goes in you just you are in the wrong mindset to to, to, to take on a, a team that has the bit between their teeth going, we need to try everything, try everything, trying everything, because you're in you're counting down on the clock. So, you know, I think it's everything that's wrong with Spurs, everything that's wrong with Mourinho. I'm really I'm really sorry for Spurs fans, you must be you must it must sting right now. But then also David Moyes has done this before. I remember David Moyes uh, having an Everton side that was three 0 down against Manchester United and getting that back to three three. He I'm not saying that he planned to go three goals down. No, he does <laughs> he does plan to open it up later in games. And the amount of times there is late drama in a West Ham game. In fact, the amount of times there's late drama in a David Moyes team. He he does start off reserved. You know, he's he's, he's a pragmatic manager. Let's get get to nil, get to half time at nil nil, and we're still in it. He's like that. But then what he also does is he he lets the throttle open with 20 minutes to go and and just throws the dice and that worked exceptionally well did you see you this see- week that, um remember a, f- a few weeks ago i was saying that who's their midfielder that um that i love that i said with the new fellaini oh check did you see this week that um the suddenly every every bloody press officer everywhere is calling him the new fellaini it's because they listen to the football shit it's, it's, it's not they, yes, they listen I, to us I, and every, I would so also like to point out that i commented on his aerial prowess about three weeks before you did. <laughs> okay, well, you look, we're not, 
You did mention Fellaini though, Rog. I didn't mention Fellaini, no. Not trying to give myself a pat on the head here, like you just did there. I was just trying to say <laughs> that it is now commonly commonly accepted that he has the same cap- the, the same threats as Fellaini, and and obviously from a David Moyes side, that is really beneficial because of his you know focus on he loves plays and long balls. <laughs> yeah, he that type of player worked in a David Moyes team. I've got a couple of other things quickly on this game. David Moyes is talking with David Moyes. His post-match interview is hilarious because, like, you saw him when the third Lanzini goal goes in and he's celebrating, he's running down the pitch, and it's kind of hilarious watching a 60-year-old man bounce around, which is great, brilliant. And then in his post-match interview, he's like, oh, asked, oh, how do you feel after that? The first thing he says is, Oh, football can be really hard sometimes. You know, there's bad times <laughs> and you can be low. And he goes on and on and on about low times. Today was quite good. Oh, God. <laughs> like, he's so Scottish. Come on, bring yeah, up the mood. <laughs> and um, especially after watching that goal, like, come on, David. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Bit of enthusiasm. And then uh, the other thing I want to talk about was Gareth Bale. Gareth Bale came on. And as I said, I watched the whole game and... As soon as Gareth Bale came on, I was like, I'm going to watch him like a hawk. He didn't look very good. He didn't look like he knew what he was doing. Like, As in not a, fit? or uh, A little bit not fit. And also, you, you know when you're playing football and you're kind of a bit unsure of where you're meant to run and you do a kind of, oh, I'm meant to run this way or that way, and then you do a little skip to think, look, look like you're doing something. Mm-hmm. Um and, and like, oh, yeah, maybe I'm running this way. Oh, I, I don't really like when you're awkward in the playground as a six-year-old. He did that a couple of times. I'm like, Jesus, this is Gareth Bale. <laughs> he hasn't played much football for a long time, though. I, I would. It's hard yeah. to just, you know. Yeah, he hasn't and... played football in a long time. And like his chance, he did well to get make his chance and he should have scored it. But I understand that he didn't score it because of where he's at. But there was genuine moments where I was like, I feel like I'm watching a school child who doesn't really know what he's doing and is incredibly nervous, which is strange, really, really strange. But I mean, I think it will come good, but that, yeah, that was weird. Um, um, can I ask you, you know, the goal, Lanzini's goal, mm-hmm. it was very exciting. It's one of those ones we watch over and over, but you sort of flippantly said best goal ever. But mm-hmm. do you know what I thought of immediately was that uh, Benjamin Pavard won uh, goal of the World Cup. Oh, the World Cup, yeah. Um, the volley. With that sort of cutting across volley from the from the edge of the box, and I was just thinking, Lanzini's was so much better. It's like, like I, I think it's going to be hard to beat that as a pure strike for goal of the well, year. I think like it, the moment it came in the game, the strike, but also it's kind of he it hits it with the outside of his boot, and it, it couldn't go anywhere else. And my favourite thing about it, it never actually hits the back of the net. So because it hits the bar, then bounces on the floor, then hits the top of the net. So it never actually hits the back of the net. It's it hits the top goal. of the net. And yeah, it just lands behind the goal line. It's the best. It's amazing what happens in games and in, in players that do that. Like, do you remember when um, Newcastle were four 0 down against Liverpool? This is going. This is going back a few oh, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember, yeah. Do you remember the last goal in that game? That was Czech was that T-C-A? Oh, T-O-T. Yeah, T-O-T. I do remember yeah. that. Yeah. Too. It was phenomenal. And um, I just think, you know, those those last minutes, I remember Barcelona being, sorry, to, go, to disappear. I remember Barcelona. Rivaldo. The, yeah, Rivaldo's overhead kick to get the draw on the last day of the season in the last minute of the game. You're like, there's something happens in a player that goes, this is it. 
and I'm going to yep. go for it. Just and make it happen. You cannot recreate that magic. But I find these moments weird when they're happening with no fans in the ground. Like it just, mm. do you know what I mean? Like it just, it's am- it's amazing. And I was like shouting as I was watching the telly. Yeah. It's one of those ones where you do just like blurt something out. But I, I also just find it a bit weird that these players are are they able to do this or this is still happening in this weird empty stadium environment? Like it just, it's just so bizarre. I, I enjoyed the fact that Lanzini takes his shirt off and swings it around his yeah. head. Like, <laughs> yes, there's thousands of people here. You know, it's just you and your mates. But, <laughs> is, but no isn't that great? Cause there is a, yeah. there's obviously an unadulted like joy aspect there to it. That isn't just, it's about the the act and doing it, and he's not necessarily he's just subconsciously done that without necessarily being conscious of there being fans there or not, and that's yeah. great because that that's the kid in the playground, but yeah. he's you know doing it in an empty mm. stadium <laughs> that seats seats <laughs> seventy thousand people. Um, let's move on to the other three four three of the weekend, which was Chelsea against Southampton. Um, Chelsea. Brilliant going forward. Shit at the back. Like nothing oh, new, really. Frank's in trouble. Um, Frank's in trouble. Well, I wanted to start on the good because I thought Timo Werner was amazing in this game. And it annoys me when people say Timo Werner can play on the left. Yes, he can play on the left, but he didn't play there for Leipzig. He played through the middle and he scored 28 goals in the Bundesliga through the middle. 34. And 34 then, even more. And um, he plays through the middle he's a striker he's a finisher and his finishes both of them were brilliant and both very different and both very skillful both lots of technique i think he's absolutely brilliant um and yeah that's all i've got on the so playing through the middle. Chelsea. yes just playing through the middle let him do it yeah um, his little dummy on the first goal was very oh, tasty yeah he gave a bit of a um uh, a thinly veiled uh, shot down of, of Chelsea after in his interview, and he said, "Yeah, in Germany, titles are won with the defence." That's what he said. In his- <laughs> <laughs> Solid. <burn. laughs> I was like, oh. it's like it's week four, mate. Week four. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, you're not making friends here. But he's absolutely right, and. Like how many we did it as one of our Zidane or Kilban questions in all of our specials this year. You know, talked about the Chelsea summer signings, and John, you did all of them, right? How many people said, "Well, they haven't fixed their problems, have they?" Yeah, exactly. Everyone. Every single person just like, "Well, they haven't sorted out the defense or goalie." Well, and you, I, I read, uh, I was reading the preview to the game on you know, BBC or Garden or whatever, and they, you know, you have all the updates coming through from the fans, and there were so many Chelsea fans that when they looked at the lineup. And they saw, uh, I think it was Zuma and it was Christensen. What did they, yep. what was it? Yep. And they were like, oh, well, there's, we're definitely conceding at least two today. Like I read like, <laughs> you know, seven or eight comments about, you know, Kepper and the centre-back pairing and we're going to concede goals. So Chelsea, it's like everybody is aware of it. Um, well, and I the- think Frank's under pressure because if the whole world is aware of it and it continues to happen, like that second goal, my God. Oh. It's like Kepper makes two, two howlers in like one goal. Yeah, and then but Zuma, Zuma doesn't pass it back strong enough, so then that puts Kepper under pressure, and then he makes that up, and then they, uh, like it took Shea Adams about twenty five minutes to score the goal. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> waiting for him to actually but put it in. So I, bad. Blame, I don't blame individuals for that, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Frank. That it's, I guess it's taken me five weeks to give you a kick in first on the show, so I'm just <laughs> going to go now. I don't blame individuals. I, I blame Frank Lampard. I blame blame their defensive coach. I blame their structure. I blame their recruitment because you individual mistakes are a result of poor coaching. And I, and I don't mean that you know, oh, so, you know, you can't get moments where blood goes to the head, etc. But when you watch the highlight reel of a game, yeah, fine, you, you, it looks like Zuma's made some errors. But when you, you look at the the whole game, Zuma was exposed so often that it is inevitable that the that you know one of them he's not going to be able to recover or put himself in a position where where he can cover space well enough and it will look like a zuma error when you watch the highlights so great you can't we can't turn around and say zuma's shit at football we can say that he was exposed over and over and over again and even if van dyke was exposed over and over again he would make an error that would lead to a goal it's just inevitable so it's all structural it's all management we, and we must we should say that like Chelsea drew nil nil this morning in the Champions League against Sevilla, so they've got a clean sheet. So good on them. They had um, Mendy in goal yeah. and Thiago playing centre back. So different thing. One thing I wanted to bring up about Chelsea back four: Rudiger doesn't get a game. Now I've seen Chelsea play like obviously we can't go to games often living in Australia, but the last game I went to see was Chelsea against Crystal Palace at Stamford Bridge. And Rudiger played centre back, and I came away from that game thinking Rudiger is one of the most one of the most underrated centre backs in the league. You could hear him shout; he was an organiser. He was brilliant. He starts for Germany every single game. You don't start for Germany if you're crap. Like Germany are good. Um, I don't understand why Frank. Let's talk about Chelsea trying to ship him out on loan. Yeah, and I would sign. I was a Man United fan. I'd sign him up in a second. He's brilliant. I'm not really sure what Frank's doing there. Also, I have a real problem with Frank Lampard's serious face. So, you know, after <laughs> after a game <laughs> and they've drawn three all, um, he looks like, you know, when you're like at school and you've been told off and you're like, oh, I've got to pretend to be serious in this, but, you know, it's quite funny. Mm. And he tries to try to always, oh, his first time I've ever been in a meeting with some important people. So, oh, yes, I'm very serious. And, mm, mm, and you, I, it's his serious face just is laughable and I just don't think there's a genuineness about it and I think it's because he doesn't know what he's doing yeah. and he's just making it up oh, John you're so spot on and there's have you seen when he um sorry he will get a kick in here but have you seen when, <laughs> when you he, he just told panic. and he um he goes he he's obviously learned that when you're the manager or the leader in anything, you need to take responsibility. That's your job. The buck stops with you. So you can see that he gets asked, you know, well, what, you know what was wrong with your, your defence today? You know, what did you think? Oh, well, you know, buck stops with me. It's my fault. And you can see his face is like, uh, shit. <laughs> buck stops with me. It's like he says it because he knows he has to. But deep down, he's like, fuck, it does. What do I do? What have I done? Like, why am I being accountable for a defence? Is he um, is he under the microscope already? Like, are we? Do, you know how how much pressure is he under? Not yet, not yet. But oh, yeah. if eight, I eight games, John, yeah, the eight game rule. Um, but if I was Chelsea and any team, Man United, any team that needs to change their manager, just go and get Pochettino. Would you rather have Pochettino or Frank Lampard? Pochettino, Pochettino, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, Pochettino. Just go and get him. He's sat there doing nothing. Um, and um, can we talk about um, Southampton briefly on this game? Yeah, no, I was going to say Southampton's next, so go, Rog. 
Uh, I, Danny Ings, we know, is very good. Mm. I gave Shea Adams a bit of a pump up before the start of the year. I think that they're playing really good together. Now, mm. we, I, I enjoy a partnership of strikers, partly because for years and years and years, we just haven't seen it much in the Prem. You know, it's been the fashion for a long time to, you know, go with single strikers. And we're perhaps seeing some teams go back a bit more to having two now, which, I mean, we saw Everton do it last year with a lot of success with Richarlison and DCL playing really well together. And I, you can tell that Adams and Ings like playing together. Mm. And I think they'd be horrible to play against because they both have like a lot of hustle. Like they're, you know, Ings is a great finisher um, and Adams is, Adams is quick, but they both work so hard off the ball and defensively and Harry and Hassel. And I think when you've got two players that are doing that, it is, you know, that, that, pressure or perceived pressure was part of the reason why Chelsea made those mistakes defensively. I, I yeah, absolutely um, agree. Yeah, it's, it's the ongoing mistakes. I think Danny Ings, sorry if this sounds like I'm bigging him up too much, but I actually think he reminds me of Lewandowski. He, mm-hmm. he, he never makes it look hard. Like he, he slots the ball where there is space for the ball to be slotted. And that is his primary task. Like sometimes he doesn't smash it. Like he doesn't, it's not satisfying. It's not like he pumps it as hard as he can. He just pops it in the place in the goal where the goalkeeper isn't. And that, and that's his job. And he just does it every time. It, it's it's great to watch. I think Danny Ings is absolutely brilliant. And I, I put in the running order, is Danny Ings better than DCL? Um, as Cal, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. The reason I put that in there is not just to piss you off, Jeff, but because... <laughs> Because um, Danny Ings has been consistently good for a year now. And he every time I watch him, I'm like, hang on a sec. This guy's brilliant. He's good in the air. He's quick. He's strong. He finishes. Like you say, he doesn't panic. There's just something about him. You're like, he's really good. But because he plays at Southampton, which is pretty unfashionable side, it's not kind of the big guys or whatever. They're not going to be top of the league on a run or whatever. If he was in DCL's boots at Everton right now, there is... He would have started for their England in that break. But because DCL was at Everton and they were at the top, he gets the start. And I just feel a bit sorry for Danny Ings that he doesn't get the reward or the praise he deserves. Because every time I watch him, I was like, Jesus, this guy's good. Well, Southgate keeps picking him, though. They're very different players, him and DCL. But I, I think Southgate, all, I think Southgate's got. Um, history here where we can trust him to pick players that are playing well so it doesn't matter which club you're playing at I think he'll pick Ings I, I think that they are so different they're, they're, they're probably as polar opposite as strikers get there's no way Dominic Calvert-Lewin would even have the ability to score some of the goals that Danny Ings can score he just doesn't but then there's no way that Danny Ings can jump as high, be as aggressive, or can can be in the positions that Dominic Calvert-Lewin finds himself in week in and week out. So they, they, they've mastered two very different skill sets. Both of those skill sets put the goal, put the ball in the back of the net. But you have to set up your team around it. And I think you, you're spot on noticing that they play two up front with Shea Adams. I, I think that that is something that works to the strengths of someone like Danny Ings. And yeah. you know there was a great... Um, uh, Klopp quote this week from the Everton game where he said that he knew that they were in a problem because as soon as the ball came in from Digne, Digne as soon as the ball came in from Digne, uh he heard the Everton bench go that's it because he knew that that's the ball that 
all you got to do is get that ball in. Dominic Calvert-Lewin can jump as high as Michael Jordan and get it in the get it in the net. So they've got very different skill sets. Do you, do you know, know what? Ings, go on. Go on, I was just going to say that Ings thing makes me a bit sad as well because we've seen him do this before. When he was at Burnley, he had a spell where he was playing really, really well. There's a lot of talk of him, you know, getting in, in the England squad. He might, I can't remember if he got a cap at that point. He got, yeah, he did, yeah. He got in the squads at least. But he, you know, he just, like you said, Jeff, he makes it look easy. He's a goal scorer. He's got that innate ability to score goals that not many players have. But I think the thing about those players is they have to play. If you don't play, you sort of, you lose that, that thing. Um, it's kind of like it's not a ta- it's not a tangible skill necessarily, but that awareness perhaps to score the goals you need to be playing, and he's a classic example of that. So I kind of I just think it's a bit sad that he's had those years, you know, like at Liverpool and in the wilderness a bit where he hasn't been playing because he's almost missed the best part of his career, and maybe he oh. could have been even better. He's still only twenty seven now, and um, he, he does play well in a pair as does Dominic Calvert-Lewin. So maybe Harry Kane plays as number 10. You play those two up front <laughs> and we win the World Cup. Harry Kane but, can play as a deep line number eight if you want him to. Yeah, we can do whatever he wants. <laughs> <laughs> um, as always on the Football Shed, we've talked about a few games for a long time. So we're not going to talk about every game. So sorry for everyone at home who doesn't get their team talked about. Um, but because I'm in charge of the running order, we're going to talk about Man United next. Um, so, <laughs> no, I'm a Man United fan. Um, but Man United did win 4-1 against Newcastle. And well, I don't want to talk about them for a long time, but they did win overnight against Paris Saint-Germain as well and looked very good. Um, and we've talked about how I'm waiting until the eighth game of the Premier League season to see how Man United are shaping up. This win against Newcastle was a lucky win. Um, not Well, not a lucky win. We deserve to win, but the 4-1 score, score line is way better than it should have been. Um, but Mata and Fernandez playing together was one of the best things I've seen in a long time. They had a kind of telepathic understanding where they could just ping it off each other, move around, and it was brilliant. And um, McTominay and Fred played centre midfield, and that gave us a lot more freedom and a lot more movement, a lot more legs than a Pogba and Matic. And suddenly, like beating PSG this morning, suddenly there's a bit of confidence and there's a few ways of playing. We play three at the back today. Um, you could play, yeah, you can bring in Matter, so you've got the two tens and they can play off each other. Um, so basically, may not are gonna win the league. I think you're right. I think the scoreline certainly flattered um mm. Manchester United. I, I do think United deserved to win, but Newcastle should take a lot of um a lot more credit from this game than the scoreline represents. I fear that we have seen the last of joyous St. Maximan. So if you see that he got a new contract this week, you see that? No. Six years, I think they've signed him for, which is very Newcastle, isn't it? Very Newcastle. So why Take, have we seen the last of him? Yeah, because, what do you mean? Because you'll get the deck chair out. Give the man a six-year contract and... He's gone, isn't he? He's on. He's on the beach. He's on the beach. He's on the beach for another five years before he starts to pull his socks up again. And I, I, there's no know, beaches I, in Newcastle. There are no beaches. There. There's no beaches. Um, I, I say I say that flippantly, but it does it does affect a player, and especially a player that has been um, 
that has forged his career on proving doubters wrong. You know, he is. We've discussed it. He's a street footballer. He's he's um he's an enigma. He's he's something different. And I think giving him a six year contract is the worst thing for someone who's who's got the bit between their teeth trying to trying to just you know change the world. He, now he's made it. He's made it. He's done. I worry. Sure. I worry about that. Yes, no, you didn't. You didn't talk about what I expected you to talk about with Man mm, United. Okay. You talked about the start of this season. I think it might even be your one to watch. Was a certain young Manchester United player uh, really coming into his own this year and showing that he's world class? Marcus Rashford. Yeah, I made him Player of the Year. My prediction. In Marcus of the year. Rashford. Now I think that. Rashford was the difference against Newcastle. He was involved in all four of the goals. And I think, you know, again, they were all Fergie time goals, pretty much. And but when you needed to get the goal, he was the player that came up with something. Um, that bit of skill, but, but the bit of skill when you needed it, mm. which is significant. And then he did that again this morning. He obviously got the winner against PSG. He missed a, you know, missed a couple of chances as well, but... Uh, to me, I think that that's significant that two weeks in a row, he's the one that's really stood up and produced the magic when when you need to. And I'd also say that he's actually not playing that well at the moment, which sounds a bit silly. But if you watch him for 90 minutes, it's not quite working. and um, The rhythm's not quite there, but he still has that ability to bring out a bit of magic. And he doesn't panic. He doesn't think, oh, I missed this one or missed that one. Head doesn't go down. This morning, he was pretty yeah. crap in the PSG game. Um, it just wasn't coming off. And, that, and that's fine. But he just kept going, kept plugging away. And then he gets his chance and he takes it and he wins the game. And I think that, for me, going back to Harry Kane, that's a sign of like a real top quality striker is they don't care if they miss. They just do the next one. Don't they? And that's they, how they, you they, go to the next level. You're spot on. Yeah. Like that's how you do it. Is that, And then you realise, hold on, I'm doing it and I'm doing it in the key moments. And you just, you keep doing it. And that, I mean, I now, Rashford scored the goal you needed against Brighton too. So I think all mm. of a sudden, whilst maybe he's not as sort of free-flowing best, he's still, um, can, there aren't many players that, that can do what he does, but all of a sudden he's doing it when he when it matters, and I think that that is significant for, yeah. for United. And I think Martial's been crap this year so far, and Cavani yes. will be with us this week. And I think Cavani's going to surprise a few people. I think he's going to be really, really good. Um, let's move on to Newcastle a little bit. I wanted to mention Newcastle, and Chris on Facebook mentioned this. That this was one of the games which is a pay-per-view game. So you could pay £14.95 to watch Newcastle lose 4-1 to Man United, which doesn't sound the greatest thing. Um, what Newcastle fans did is they decided to not give the money to some rich football club owners already that have plenty of money. They put it all into food banks. So I think they've raised over £20,000 so far for food bank. And it, I yeah, the West brilliant. End food bank. Uh, yeah, so like, that- good on them. And it's great. It was the Newcastle through the Newcastle Supporters Trust, um, so it was a, yeah a boycott to the pay for view. Now I I saw that and I agree, John. I thought it was great, and then I was doing. I just it's gone a bit quiet this, and so I've been doing a bit of reading, and it's murky, right? Okay. So with, New, with with Newcastle, so the Newcastle Supporters Trust came out and said that the clubs banked seven million in advance season ticket sales so 
we can see that fans are going to be pretty upset when they paid for a season ticket. They've paid for all their sports subscriptions and then they've got to pay 15 quid a game on top. And Newcastle are one of the teams who won, haven't refunded any season ticket holders because a lot of clubs yeah. have refunded people, haven't they? Newcastle have kept the money. Yeah, they haven't refunded it and they're not giving them access to it. So in the, we talked about in the championship, all season ticket holders in the championship are getting access to the games. But the other thing that came out this week, Premier League chief exec, Richard Masters, um, it, it, you know, he, to quote him, he said that the price um, for the pay-per-view was defensible, but ultimately the broadcasters are the people that chose to set the price. Whereas... The broadcasters, so the BT chief exec, have came out and said the price came from the Premier League, and they're pretty much, pretty much just covering our costs. Is the quote? Now, okay. we don't know where this money's going. Right? There's been no visibility no. given. Um, it, we've just been told it's going to go to the clubs. However, when you've got a TV exec coming out and saying pretty much just covering our costs, that's not saying we're only covering our costs. To me, that is we are making a profit by mm. showing these games. Now, we, we shouldn't be surprised, but to me, that is a very, very different yeah. sentiment and a scenario. And I think if there is nothing dodgy about this, be transparent. Explain yep. where the money's going. And I think fans would have so much less problem if they knew certainty that the money was going to be evenly distributed throughout the Premier League or you know through the football pyramid, whatever. But I have a suspicion that this money's, a lot of it is going to go, and, going to, go to the TV. Yeah, that's, it's, it's, I, I think the fact that it's kind of got brushed under the carpet and ignored and it's just kind of disappeared always stinks of something stodgy yeah, going on. Yeah. Um, don't talk about but it. Good on, go the, away. on the Newcastle fans. Yeah, brilliant. Um, we do need to touch on the fact that Villa won 1-0. It wasn't the most exciting game, but they beat Leicester 1-0. Ross Barkley scored a great goal in the 90th minute or the 91st minute. And Villa are going to now win the league. Uh, four Apparently. from four. Second, look brilliant. Barkley's going to be player of the year. Um, their defence is brilliant. Their goal is brilliant. They've got it all under control. Kazoo. Kazoo. <laughs> um, I, I did. There was a message from Phil on Facebook. He's like, I still take comfortable survival if you offered it, though. So uh, <laughs> not overly excited. But, uh, they look organised. They, 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 they're, they're good to watch. They look organised. I think it's true business side in Ross Barkley. For no matter what you think about him, he's a, he's a gifted footballer. As as I think we said last week, he takes the pressure off Grealish because he takes the attention off Grealish, which means that Grealish can have a bad game and Villa don't necessarily have to follow suit by having a bad game. Um, Ross Barkley is an idiot. Did you... <laughs> Sorry, did you? Sorry if you listen, Ross. I don't, I don't mean to offend you, but you, you're a you're a moron. Did you did you receive hear his interview after the game? No. Okay, so the interview interviewers asking him. So Ross, Ross, when you when you got the ball in space and you and you, you drove forward, did you have anything else on your mind but to go for goal? He just went, oh yeah, just uh, got some space. Thought, oh, just have a go. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. Silence. Absolute silence. I'm like, 
Okay, Ross. Thanks, thanks for that. Thanks, thanks, Ross. Thanks for an insight into a footballer, into a footballer's head. It's been great, great yeah. chat. Yeah, good one. He's, good one. He's never been the smartest one around, has he? But he's got the talent. Do you know the other, the unsung player for Villa so far this year as well has been John McGinn. Mm. And Villa started last year very well. Um, so we should very say well, could all league. could all change Villa. No, they had a good start to the year. Yeah. Um, they weren't top of the league, but um, they they had a decent start. And then John McGinn got a really bad injury and missed the season all the way up to when they came back from lockdown, and was then clearly still trying to, you know, recover from the injury and get match fitness back. He he's looked really good this year again. So I think having having him back, having a preseason, you know, playing well, and suddenly adding Barkley to Grealish as well, that it just gives them so much more creativity than they had when McGinn was injured and they didn't have Barkley, where it was basically Grealish or bust. Yeah, mm. no, so true. Can I? Um, I, know I had one. La- I had, no, sorry. Right, just- I had one last thing on this game. So Leicester started without Vardy up front because he was injured. So they had Ian Nacho up front. Ian Atro went off and they brought on Slomani. Now, do you remember Slomani? Oh, yeah, Algerian wonder. £29 million Slomani, who they bought when they won the league and then realised, oh, he's a bit crap. And they read, like, have um, loaned him out to a million clubs. Still there, apparently. Wow. We go on, Jeff. What are you going to talk about? Yeah, before, before we, we go on to um, side stories, there's another goal in one of the boring games I wanted to, to talk about. Did you watch mm-hmm. Adamola Lookman for, uh, for Fulham? Yes, against Sheffield United. Great finish. Yeah, he looked good. Oh, come, uh, come on. Great finish. <laughs> it, like, I've heard a lot of love about this. There, even the BBC. Well, I, I don't, I don't want to make the whole no, no, shed no. about Everton. Yeah. No, 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 it's not. This yeah. isn't about Everton. Like, I just read an article on the BBC about how does he have un, un, whatever, potential, un, uh, untapped, unrealized, untapped, untapped, that was what, untapped potential. So I made an effort to make sure that I watched this goal. It is the equivalent of someone who does not know the buttons on FIFA. He is They know that the arrow button towards goal is good. So they're pressing the arrow button, then they're pressing everything else all at once. And his little legs are going all over the place. It's bouncing <laughs> off the pendant. It's going everywhere and just finds himself through. And he magically hits the right button. He holds it for too long. And it just magically goes into the top corner. I do not think that Adam Ola-Lukman will ever do anything as good in his life. No, I think he's good. I, got, I think he's got a bit of potential there. Um, I did want to mention Wolves beating Leeds 1-0 because I was really excited about this game and Wolves killed it. So Wolves. boring. I and watched this game, John. Oh. I've brought this up before on here that every, new, Wolves get a great rap uh, or Portugal, we should call them. And they played in their Portugal kit this week and Nuno is meant to be a great manager, etc. They are and I've predicted them to come top four. Brilliant, really good. But don't be fooled. It's just Jose Mark II. It's defensive. <laughs> yeah. It's boring. It's so defensive. Yeah, it's gross. Um, and yeah, really, really sad for Leeds because that the Wolves just killed it. Um, does anyone have any side stories? Yeah, yeah, a couple this week. Did you see that um, Rubinho signed for Santos a few weeks ago? Wow. No, is he still playing? Well, yeah, that's the first question. Um, second thing, a week after he signed for Santos, Santos cancelled his contract. Wow. Yeah, so, so you, I mean... Did they realise he was 45? No, no, 
Very good. Very good, though. That was a very good thing. Um, no, because the, the main sponsor came out and said, we don't want to be associated with someone with his um, – his record so obviously Rubinho didn't he did did he go to jail uh because he i'm on thin ice here with how i described he's had a much at some point very sketchy past where and he was accused certainly i'm not sure if he's convicted of, mm. of abusing one of his girlfriends or wives oh, oh, um and the, so the sponsor came out and went, mm, we do not want to be no. associated with this bloke. He's he's a piece of shit. So instead of letting the sponsor go, they cancelled his contract after a week. Oh, good. Well, yeah. Fuck off, Rubino. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I have a side story on the fact that EPL squads were out this week. So the Premier League squad released their squads. Ozil, not in the Arsenal squad. And in the Chelsea squad, Petr Cech, 39-year-old... Retired Petr Cech, who now works in an office um, and does all the kind of background stuff for Chelsea. Oh, we need an emergency keeper because Kepa's crap and Willie Caballero is 400 years old. Well, this guy's quite good. He played 400 games for us. We'll get him in. So, yeah, he's a backup keeper So, have they got four four keepers in this squad? Yes. Caballero and... But you can have... I think you can have as many keepers as you like. I don't think that comes into your 25. Ah, Okay. So I think he's just there as a backup. Crazy. That's crazy. Um, does anyone else have any more side stories? No. No. I've got one more thing before we go on to Endgame. Um, you may have seen this week that we released a new podcast, which is called One Beer Wonder, uh, which is basically where we talk about something to do with football. It might be a topic or a theme or a person. And we have one beer. And then when we finish the beer, we stop talking. Uh, it's quite a simple concept, but it was a lot of fun. Jeff and I did the first one. Uh, we'll probably do some as duo, some as a whole three of us. We might get other people in. Um, but if there's anything you want us to talk about, any subjects, any kind of topics you think you care about, football or whatever, just send them through to us and we'll talk about them on One Beer Wonder. And it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed the first one. I loved it. I thoroughly enjoyed it, John. It's great to have a beer midweek and just chat about football. It's like going to the yeah. pub without going to the pub. Yeah, it's perfect. I did have another um, side before we go into endgame, and I, oh, I don't want to go until next week. Did you see? Uh, did you hear the story about the Peruvian footballer? This is the Peruvian footballer with a good name. Have you heard this one? No, Nobby Solano. No, no, yeah, no. Nobby Solano's the only Peruvian. There's a Peruvian footballer whose name is Osama Bin Laden. Oh, <laughs> his name is actually Osama Bin Laden. And it gets worse, right? So his brother's name is Saddam Hussein. <laughs> his dad had a bit of a thing for um for these types of players. <laughs> and, and, and not only that, but he was going to call his third son George Bush, but it became it was a girl, so he didn't. Um now plays Peruvian <laughs> second tier. Georgie Bush and a lot of press for for Bin Laden on the back of his shirt. So keep your eye out for the kid. Wow, that'd be wow. the worst. You just change your name, like that, isn't that child abuse? Is that child well, abuse? He, he actually came out and said he thought about changing his name, but by that point, he had made a name for himself. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I'll keep this. All right, are we ready for Endgame? Ready. Yes. So last week, I won. Um, I think by default, by Rog being awful. Um, no, no, but, didn't, I, didn't I redeem myself a little bit in the end? A little bit. No, I don't think so. <clears throat> but basically, the scores are 2-2-2. Two, two, two. So it's all even so far this season. 
Now, next week, um, there is a game between Man United and Chelsea. So, you know, two teams that are pretty big. You should know them. And last season, they played each other. Last and Man season. Won, yeah, last season, and Man United <laughs> won 4-0. First game of the season. Big Frank's uh, first game in charge of Chelsea. And it all went wrong at the start. Man United won 4-0. Can you name the teams? Rod, you can go first. Only a year ago. Just to mix it up. Wayne Rooney um, did not play. Nor does John Terry. Did Marcus Rashford play? He did. He scored twice. Martial. Correct. Um, Willian. <laughs> um, oh, come on. <laughs> Willian did not play. Rogers lost the oh, life. Come Obi- on. Obi Wan Kenobi. Wan Bissaka played, yes. Uh, Luke Shaw. Correct. Um, Harry Maguire. Correct. Um, De Gea. Correct. Um, Mason Mount. Correct. Azapukaleta. Uh, correct. Tammy Abraham. Correct. Roll a roll now. Uh, Jorginho. Correct. Kepa. Correct. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Kante. Kante came off the bench. So you have to go again, Rog. Um... Stop Googling. I can see you Googling in the background. Pogba. Pogba? Paul Pogba played, yes. God, John, how many players we got left? We've got a... Um, uh, one, two, three, four Man United players left. Uh, Zuma. Oh, don't, come on, don't give him clues. Kurt Zuma is correct. Uh, one, two... Three. Lindelof. Lindelof is correct. <sighs> Getting close now. Um, Jesse Lingard. Correct. That's a great shout. (laughs) Where did that come from? Um, Only Rogers lost a life so far, so Jeff, you still got a life. Fred. Incorrect. Jeff, no, Rog went first, so Jeff, you have to get this right to be of one. Oh, well, I've got no more players, John. Um, well, you've got to get one right. Okay, what was that Chelsea team? So, Kepa, Mason, Mount, Kurt Zuma, who played up back with Zuma. It wasn't Christensen. It would have been... Um, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Kovacic. Kovacic is correct. 
Good one, Deva. <laughs> Smashed it. So uh, I think the only players you didn't get were Emerson at left back for Chelsea, Pedro, oh. Ross Barkley, and Tammy Abraham. Pedro. No, Jeff said Tammy Abraham. Okay, so just Pedro, Ross Barkley then. And then for Man United, the only person you didn't get was Scott McTominay and Pereira. That has got to Scott be McTominay. a record breaker, I reckon. That is the best we've ever done. Well, it was only last year, so to be fair, like, I was going to say, I think we've been so crap at this so far this season. I was like, I need to give you something you can actually do something. Confidence booster. Yes. <laughs> next year, next week, it's Burnley in 1992. <laughs> <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> um, has anyone got anything before we go? Uh, great to be back in the shed. Ah, oh, oh. as long as Victoria does a bloody good job this week, we might be back in the shed in person next week, and I can't bloody... That's what I was going to say. How yes. exciting would that be? Yes, we could possibly be back in person. So basically, everyone just get tested and stay home for a week, and then we can do this in person. Oh, yeah, it really will be good. a very, very excitable night in the pod if we're all in person. Sweet. Yeah, I... <laughs> I think it's definitely going to be the worst pod of all time. <laughs> it'll be a lot of fun um, thanks for listening everyone we will be back next week whether it's in person or not but hopefully it is in person um, don't forget if, to get in contact just ask us questions tell us we're wrong about something um, just find us on Facebook or shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com bye everybody thanks for listening bye bye see ya bye bye Ted Lasso is fucking great. If you watch Ted Lasso. No, I've no. got no interest. Didn't you say the concept is it's an American bloke that comes over and... Uh... Oh, Rod, it is just so good. It's so good. I didn't want to watch it until... It? When, when Dirk recommended it, I didn't want to watch it. And then when Simon and Ruth recommended it at the same time, and they just went, it's the most heartwarming, lovely thing you can watch on TV ever. I was like, oh, that's pretty good. Okay, we'll watch an episode. Watch the first one. I was just like, I fucking love this. This is amazing. That, that just we doesn't sound episodes. like me, Jeff. Heart, heartwarming? <laughs> like, no. Yeah. no. I couldn't think of anything worse. Like, we watched all 10 in two days. We stayed up until about 11 o'clock, which for us is, like, very late to watch the telly. And, and Jane liked it, too. It. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. It's the, it's the most... Like we watch so much that's dark and horrible, and it's the most lovely thing. Yeah. It's just so beautiful. It's Have a you beautiful watched the, the, the Detectorists? Oh, I love that show. That's like yeah. that. Oh, that's the British yeah. um, comedy with their metal detectors. It's amazing. That's it's on really Netflix. good. Like that's as a not like a nice. Uh, that's great. Like that. It's just a. So, you're really going to take my recommendation, but you're going to like try and up it with another kind show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, no, I'm just giving an example. You just made me think of of that, and also that Ricky Gervais one's quite good too. The um, the, yeah, this is nicer than that. Like, but it's about football. Like, why wouldn't? Why isn't that up your street? Why are you being like this, Rod? because uh, it's like cause I don't like the concept of an American coming over. I just don't oh like a lot of these American shows. It's it not just makes like me think that. Of American. It's based in London. It's like how an American's dealing with being in England. Yeah, exactly. I'm, with, I'm an American. Like you I'm American. <laughs> oh, it's so funny, Roger. You, your life is worse because of who you are. <laughs>
<laughs> Probably, but I mean, it's my life and it's so I got to deal with it. Um, all right, Ted, Ted Lasso. Lasso? Yeah, do it. Lasso? Yeah. It's on Apple yeah. TV, so but you can um, the first two episodes are free, and then they've got a fourteen day free trial at the moment, so you can sign up for nothing. So you oh, can I don't want, I've, I've already fallen for that with about four of these fuckers, and now they take money from me every month. <laughs> Cancel them. Disney, Stan, Netflix. <laughs> Just get rid of them. Have rid. Oh. All right, let's talk about football. Okay, are we ready? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> What's our safety um, word? <laughs> Jordan. <laughs> Lasso. <laughs> um, three, okay. two, one.